The following is a hoop bowl presentation. What is up, Los Angeles Lakers fans? It is Ethan here with you on a solo show of the Hoop Ball Lakers podcast. It's been a little while since we've had a dedicated episode. You might have missed a little bit of crossover action in between, but that's okay because we're here to recap it all. The Lakers are sitting at 7-3. 7-3 at the time this podcast is recorded. And I bring that up and I start that way for one reason and one reason specifically. There's been a lot of doom and gloom around the Lakers for as good as this team is. There's been a lot of concerns that we've presented. There's been concerns that others have presented. And there's just been this general sort of aura of why aren't the Lakers playing better? We'll get into that. But I want to start with the good. It's a new year. It's 2021. We're looking to put the ghosts of 2020 behind us with the exception of the Lakers winning the title. You guys know what I'm referencing when I say that. And I want to start with the good. So for as much as we're going to get into with this team and all of the sort of moving parts and where we got to go next and what the Lakers are dealing with currently, I'd like to point out a few things for us. At the time this podcast is being recorded, this is a team that sits third in effective field goal percentage. This is a team that is tied for sixth in true shooting percentage. They are third in offensive efficiency, sixth in defensive efficiency, sixth in three-point field goal percentage. It is hard to complain about those statistics, especially when you combine that with the fact that Anthony Davis is averaging 22-9 and with his usual supporting defensive stats. LeBron James is averaging 25-8-8. and Okay, so the two big boys are still getting it done. And that is with the new infusion of youth and depth that this Lakers team has given us. No, the Lakers aren't necessarily beating down opponents like we maybe some of us wanted to see so early in the season, right? 15 point, 20 point, 30 point victories. Those very well may happen as the season progresses, but we have to remember the Lakers are integrating an entirely new lineup around LeBron James and Anthony Davis. This stuff takes time. The Lakers didn't have the benefit of a training camp. No team had the benefit of a training camp. So everything is being done on the fly. It is very apparent that Frank Vogel is still very much experimenting with the way that he wants to do things. But as we focus on the good, the Lakers sit at seven and three, seven and three, all alone atop the Western Conference standings and a whole lot of mishmash underneath them. Okay, there is still not a team in the NBA that I look at and say, this is a legitimate challenger to the Lakers throne so long as LeBron and AD are upright and conscious. So as we move forward, I ask Lakers fans, I ask everybody who's going to give commentary about this team. Please put it in perspective. Please keep it within the context. And please understand that the Lakers are off to a fabulous start. Nobody is going to complain about a 70% winning percentage when it's all said and done if that's what the Lakers wind up with when the regular season comes to a conclusion. I felt like that was fast and furious, but we had to get it out of the way. As a reminder, it is a solo show today. You are here with Ethan Noroff of the Hoopball Lakers podcast. If you are not already, you got to follow us on Twitter at Hoopball Lakers so you never miss a show. And of course, you can follow me on Twitter for my musings about basketball and so much more at Ethan underscore Noroff, just one F. Now, let's take a little bit of a rewind here and we go back in terms of the Lakers recent sort of schedule here. The last time that we talked to you guys on a dedicated Lakers episode, The Lakers were coming off of a nice 4-2 stretch. That road trip ended with two more wins over the Grizzlies to make the Lakers 6-2, a loss to the Spurs, 6-3, and and then squeaked one by the skin of their ass over the Bulls on Friday night, 117-115, without Anthony Davis in the lineup to bring us to 7-3. 
there isn't a whole lot to recap across these four games. One of the biggest takeaways very clearly has been how much the Lakers have missed Contavious Caldwell-Pope. And if you had said that sentence during the first year of KCP's contract or even the second year of KCP's contract in his sort of wacky tenure with the Lakers in terms of how his contracts have gone, it would be an almost unbelievable sentence. But at this time for this Lakers team and with how well KCP is playing, it has been a fairly significant absence. Couple that with the fact that the Lakers just got Alex Caruso back as well. And when both of those guys were out of the lineup, it took a hit against this Lakers team. There was a clear test of the depth that, you know, the Lakers were able to handle, but not sort of overcome entirely, but they're able to handle it. This is why the roster is built this way. This is why you have guys like Kuz. This is why you have guys like Wesley Matthews, guys like Taylor Horton Tucker, all of which we'll get into on today's episode. But if you look at what KCP has been doing, and this is why he's been so phenomenal for the Lakers, this is a guy who's shooting better than 55% from the floor. He's shooting almost 53% from downtown. I mean, the Lakers are a team that has been connecting from behind the three-point line, and KCP is a huge part of that. Not to mention his perimeter defense. It goes a long way. And I think just generally his energy, especially with that first unit, is essential. So hopefully the Lakers are able to get KCP back in the near future. We knew that the ankle injury was going to cost him some time, despite his sort of optimism that he wouldn't miss any. And the Lakers are always going to err on the side of caution in this particular season and in with this particular team as well. And as we re- record podcasts from our home in this COVID climate, you're going to hear things like dogs barking in the background. You might even hear a dishwasher go off. It's all part of the show. We embrace it. It's live and it's all good. I think the biggest thing for this Lakers group right now is beyond the absence of KCP. We're talking about a general effort question, right? And we'll get into that. But let's continue to sort of navigate through here because KCP has been out of the picture, unfortunately, but he'll be back sooner rather than later. And when he is, I am going to be incredibly curious about Kyle Kuzma's role going forward. Because here's the reality. Of the three games that the Lakers have lost this season, they were all pretty predictable for the most part. Okay, my people, fantasy draft season is over. It's in the rearview mirror. And luckily for you, you brewski 150 your way to a hell of a team. But the season has just begun. And that is why the fantasy pass is still the best deal in the industry at just $4.99 per month. And now that we're into the regular season, there is zero commitment. Sign up for a month for just five bucks. If you don't like it, you can cancel. But we know you'll love it, but it's always nice to have that option. The Fantasy Pass has everything you'll need to dominate all year long. Updated projections, new fantasy appraiser tools, schedule and streaming charts, pickups, drops, and our newest and coolest feature, the HoopBall Discord server, where you can all hang out with the HoopBall pros around the clock and get one-on-one help with your team. So please check it out. Head to hoop-ball.com and click on the Fantasy Pass ad just below the main media wall. If you are missing out on the Fantasy Pass, the odds of you missing out on a Fantasy Trophy are 100% guaranteed. Your coffee costs 5 bucks and it lasts for an hour. This lasts all month and it's just 5 bucks. Sign up today. The Fantasy Pass only at hoop-ball.com. On opening night, ring ceremony, emotions are high. You know the Clippers wanted to make a statement. Okay, no problem starting 0-1. As we discussed with the Lakers' loss to the Blazers, the Lakers simply decided it was going to be a cakewalk after five minutes, and they decided not to play anymore. It happened. It's not the best look, but it happens. That's the second loss. 
And as far as the third loss and one to the Spurs, a team that does compete, has a lot of nice young players, and is still obviously coached by Greg Popovich, it is incredibly difficult to beat a Greg Popovich-led team three times in 10 days. I don't care who's on the court. That's a tough task. And I think one of the things that we've sort of been surprised about in terms of the Lakers' play is that they haven't been quite as effective at home as we've seen them in the past. I think a huge part of that is obviously there's no crowd at Staples Center. So home court advantage isn't really home court advantage. In fact, league-wide, we're seeing road teams often do better than home teams. So that will be an interesting trend to sort of monitor. But as we get into the player-by-player sort of analysis here, I want to go back to Kyle Kuzma, and I want to go back to Kyle Kuzma as it relates to Taylor Horton Tucker. Because my biggest takeaway from the Lakers' two-point win over the Bulls, this is a game with no AD. This is a game where the Lakers never really pulled away. The Bulls, in fact, had you know, sort of control at this game at one point, at least it felt like. And despite the Lakers' lead at halftime, it felt like the Bulls really outplayed the Lakers in the first half. No, no small part in thanks to Zach Levine and Kobe White. That said, in a two-point win without Anthony Davis, Taylor Horton Tucker played more minutes than Kyle Kuzma. I want to repeat that. Taylor Horton Tucker played more minutes than Kyle Kuzma. We saw Kyle Kuzma come out of the starting lineup without AD. It was Markeith Morris and it was Wesley Matthews, which I think just generally makes more sense in when KCP is out of lineup to replace him with Wes Matthews because obviously a comparable skill set, comparable sort of player there. And again, I think Kuzma, one of his biggest things is he's searching for consistency. And the more that you change his role and the asks associated with it, the harder it's going to be. But I sat here before the season when Taylor Horton Tucker was the darling of everybody's eye in the preseason when he was going off for 25, 30 points every night. I said, Taylor Horton Tucker might average more minutes than Kyle Kuzma, and I'm not quite ready to come off of that yet. Yes, I know Kuzma has been playing more minutes than Taylor Horton Tucker. I'm aware of that. And yes, I'm aware that Kyle Kuzma has gotten his contract extension, so that's also fine and good. But I don't think it's completely out of the question because Taylor Horton Tucker does things for this Lakers team that Kyle Kuzma still isn't doing. When you look at Kuzma's overall numbers, okay, he's basically the same player that we saw last season. Yes, he's shooting significantly better from behind the three-point line, so that success from the bubble has carried over, but he's taken a step back from the foul line, and he's not even getting to the foul line at just 67% on less than one free throw attempt per game. He's taking a lot of jump shots, a lot of perimeter stuff, but additionally, he's only shooting 44% from the field, and he's not contributing those supporting stats elsewhere. He's doing very little defensively, although his block rate is up from what it had been previously in his career. He's not stealing away the basketball. He's not rebounding the basketball, really. So what is Kyle Kuzma doing to help this Lakers team, right? Of course, he's going to have moments where he's going to hit the three. He's going to be sort of an offensive threat out there just because of the name value, but he's not doing those supporting things that this Lakers team so sorely needs from him. When you look at THT, the numbers aren't exactly impressive. I mean, the guy's averaging seven points a game, shooting 43%, and just shy of 32% from the three-point line. Not that good. But what he's able to do is he's able to create pressure in the paint. He's able to get to the rim. He's able to facilitate a little bit. And that's something that we think that Kyle Kuzma should be doing more of, especially with Kuzma's size. So when you look at this Lakers construct going forward, I'm going to be very curious, as we have been throughout the season and we will be going forward, exactly how Kuzma's role takes shape. 
because it's going to be a major question mark. And as the Lakers may look for help around the trade deadline and the buyout market or what might have you, it's going to be interesting to see if Kuzma's name at all comes up, despite the fact that he just signed the extension. We interrupt this podcast because we need a brief announcement. And it's a fun one. It's free stuff. Everybody loves free stuff. What's the stuff? The bruise letter is back. Oh, yes, back and fresh for the 2020-21 NBA season. Our founder, Aaron Bruski, is writing an email newsletter filled with his most intimate fantasy nuggets. It is exclusive content that you cannot find anywhere else. It is not on the website. It is not in any podcast. It's not on social media. It is only in the email newsletter, and you can sign up to get it for free. Just go to bit.ly slash bruiseletter2021 and sign up in 10 seconds. Again, the site is bit.ly slash bruiseletter2021. Aaron Bruski, straight to your inbox every day. Enjoy and win your fantasy leagues in the process. Look, The Lakers, if you want to criticize them, and believe me, we have, if you want to criticize the Lakers, there's one easy way to do it. Offensively, this team has a ceiling that is unlike last year's group. They've been performing at sort of a similar clip in terms of their scoring, in terms of their assists, but the ceiling is higher because the talent is better, okay? Defensively, the Lakers have probably been outperforming their personnel a little bit. And in particular, I want to focus on the paint protection. This is something that we really saw come into focus when the Lakers first started playing the Spurs ahead of that three-game set. The Spurs made a concerted effort to attack the Lakers inside. Marcus Gasol and I not only share a birthday, but we also apparently share the same vertical jump. He is not a rim protector, okay? He is not JaVale McGee. He is not Dwight Howard. Montrez Harrell is doing a lot of good things for this Lakers team, and he has started to be more consistent of late. He struggled against the Spurs, but he's starting to pick it back up now in the last couple of games, one against the Spurs, the final one, and then against the Bulls. But again, he is not a rim protector. Anthony Davis most certainly can be a rim protector, but the Lakers are conscious about how much time he spends at the five, especially as he's got this adductor strain going on right now. So all of that is to say, opponents are watching. Opponents understand that the Lakers have shifted their identity from what made them successful last season. That being said, the Lakers are going to have to figure out a way to either secure their perimeter defense to a point where that rotation, weak side defense, and the help that comes underneath the basket will be there on a consistent basis, or they're going to have to figure out how to slightly reconfigure their roster to get a a rim protector. I think that the more likely option is emphasizing the perimeter defense due to the personnel versus focusing on rim protection. Again, we're talking about a team that is sixth in defensive efficiency, okay? They're in the top one-fifth of the league, so let's not jump off uh, and, and create any crazy points here. But what I'm saying is this is a pattern. Every night, the Lakers are a team that any opposition wants to beat. That's what happens when you win the title. You've got the target on your back, so to speak. So Lakers will have to address that. I'm curious to see what the playing time looks like in terms of Marcus Saul, in terms of Montrez Harrell, and in terms of Markeith Morris. I think there were times that Markeith Morris has sat on the bench this season that he would have been a better option in the front court, whether it's alongside AD or whomever, but in place of maybe a Kuzma, maybe in place of a Trez, maybe even in place of a Gasol at times. So I'm curious to see how Markeith's playing time sort of marches forward here because he is somebody who not only brings the dog to the fight, but he also helps them from beyond the three-point line as well. 
And I think one of the biggest criticisms and a very fair criticism of this Lakers team, again, despite all the impressive stats, despite the good start at seven and three, I think one of the clearest and most obvious criticisms of this team has been just sort of the effort level and sort of the general, uh, especially initial effort level. Right now, this Lakers team is playing like it knows it can flip a switch at any given point and simply move forward accordingly, which, yes, of course, that can work. It has worked and it can work. That said, it is not going to work on a consistent basis, especially when you start to play those better teams as the season progresses. You don't want to get into a habit where where you start slow and you have to flip a switch. The Lakers have the capacity, the talent, and the wherewithal to be able to sort of start fast and remain fast. Now, fast is a funny word in this context because at the time of this podcast being recorded, the Lakers are a bottom 10 team in pace. So this is a very methodical style of basketball in terms of what they're playing this particular year. We look at LeBron and AD in particular on that, okay? AD is still above 50% from, from the field, right? He's shooting 53%. He's shooting 40% from beyond the three-point line, okay? 40% on almost four attempts a game, so that's good. The weird thing for AD, and this doesn't really have to do so much with pace, but the weird thing about AD's year so far is that historically, he's an 80% field, uh, free throw shooter. This year, he's shooting 67.7% so far. So that's weird, but his free throws are way down. The lowest mark since his rookie campaign with New Orleans. So as much as Anthony Davis has the ability from the outside, I don't want to see him turn into Blake Griffin where he doesn't attack the rim anymore, okay? This isn't Anthony Davis after a series of injuries. God forbid, knock on wood. I don't know if you can hear that on the other side, but I just knocked on my dining room leg here, okay? I want to see Anthony Davis move more inside, and I think that will help him in the free throw line, and I think that will just help generally this Lakers team. When you look at LeBron, okay, LeBron is shooting 49% from the field just about, shooting almost 37% from the three-point line, taking six threes per game. And LeBron's free throws have actually improved 73.3% this year. So not a huge improvement, but a slight one. For me, what I'm looking at when it comes to how this Lakers team sort of moves forward here is the ability to mesh all of these evolving parts of their game with the more familiar parts of the game that's made them so successful. And I think that's one of the biggest things that the Lakers are still trying to figure out and experiment as a group is what pieces of everybody's games are best fit together. I do think the Lakers are in a great spot. I mean, look, seven and three is seven and three. You, you can't complain about that. It's really just difficult. And I think anytime a team wins a title and we have the highest expectations of them, there is this sort of, you know, push for utter greatness all the time. They should win. They should win by 15. They should win by 20. They should win by 30. It's never enough. When we have success, we want more. It, it, it's, it's greed at a certain point, right? So you have to be mindful of that balance. But I think with the Lakers, more than anything else, they've, they've gotten off to this really strong start. And yes, there are a couple of concerns. LeBron and AD are still very much LeBron and AD. And you're looking at a couple of things for them as they've adjusted their game. LeBron in particular is taking more jumpers. I mean, look, this, that's what you expect. This is Kobe-esque stuff from LeBron, right? This is a guy who in December turned, what, 36 years old? I mean, the guy is still playing MVP basketball. Okay, so yeah, he's going to not maybe be such an attacker of the rim like we saw earlier in his career. But for this guy with all the miles on his tires to still be performing at this level, to still be the most dominant player on any given night in the NBA, still put him on any team in the league and say, yeah, that team's a title contender now. I mean, there just isn't another guy like that. And when you pair him with Anthony Davis, that is why the Lakers have the best two man combination of any team in the league. I don't want to hear anything else about it. 
So outside of that, the supporting parts were supposed to help these two guys not have to be dominant every night for the Lakers to win. And that's where the effort thing comes into reconnect for me. Because yes, the Lakers are seven and three, but on most nights, LeBron and AD have had to be LeBron and AD. There have been a couple of instances where that has not been the case, but on most nights, that has been the case, okay? And we need to see a little bit more of those other guys stepping up. Dennis Schroeder has been a wonderful addition to this Lakers team, okay? My biggest sort of wonder about Schroeder is what type of point guard he will be for this Lakers team. Because going back to the opener, Schroeder had eight assists. He had 12 rebounds. It was almost a triple-double for Schroeder. Since that time, Schroeder hasn't topped six assists. Since that time, Schroeder hasn't topped four rebounds. And since that time, Schroeder is often taking more shots than points scored in any given game. So I'm just sort of wondering what Dennis Schroeder wants to be for this Lakers team, and I need him to cut down on the turnovers. I think having Alex Caruso back will be helpful, and it wouldn't be surprising to me if Schroeder, who's been playing, oh, I don't know, right around 30, 32, 33 minutes or so, looks like 31 minutes on average, okay, takes that back to maybe 28 or 29, and maybe we see Caruso's minutes tick up a little bit. And I think that's one of the things the Lakers need to continue to work with Schroeder on is being that facilitator. I know he loves the pick and roll, but the pick and roll isn't always the option. The good thing about Schroeder is he has been wonderful, okay? He has been a, a clear upgrade at the point guard position, but his field goal percentage has gone down over recent games. His three-point field goal percentage has gone down over recent games. He started the year absolutely electric, and now he's hovering at about 34% from three and 43% from the field. The Lakers need him to be closer to what he was with OKC last year, 47% from the field, 385 from behind the three-point line. Part of that is a change in role. He's now a starter. He was a sixth man, obviously, last year. And part of that is because he's simply adjusting to his new surroundings. And anytime you play with guys like LeBron and AD, that dominant level of talent for the first time in your career, it is going to take some time. And so I don't think that's absurd, especially in this particular climate. Again, the Lakers didn't have the benefit of a training camp or really being able to gel prior to the season. You know, ever since we started this podcast, people always ask us for betting tips. We always get asked, who you got, Lakers or Clippers? You know, for us, it's going to be the Lakers, Rodgers or Mahomes. And I'll tell you what I tell them, where you bet is just as important as who you're betting on. That's why we tell people to bet with my bookie. My bookie's rep is rock solid, and they've got the best odds, the best contests, and the best promotions in the business. They're the only place I trust to handle any of my sports-related bets, the one sportsbook guaranteed to give me and you the best lines for the National Championship College football game on January 11th and on every NFL playoff game, not to mention the NBA action. You know me, and you know that I don't give out my stamp of approval easily. So my bookie, they earned it. And to earn it from me, you've got to be the best at what you do. And my bookie is the best sports book out there, period. It's simple. Sign up, enter promo code HOOPBALL, and get your deposit matched halfway up to 1000 bucks. You put in 1000 they'll give you 500 free money. So head on over to my bookie if you want to add a little excitement to the sports you love and the games that you bet. Bet with the best. Bet with my bookie. That's mybookie.ag. Now let's move to Trez, another supporting part. Trez's numbers are actually up with the Lakers, okay? So we like what we see in that regard. His field goal percentage is better than it was with the Clippers. He's shooting 60.5% from the field, 
Okay, he's averaging 12.6 points, so that number's up, but the scoring is obviously down on this team. The Lakers just don't need him to score like the Clippers did, but his rebounding is up. He's at eight a game. So if you're telling me that Trez in 25 minutes a game, really 24 minutes a game, is going to average 12 and a half points, eight rebounds, shoot 60% from the field, be a hustle guy, and remarkably, his free throw percentage for a career 64% shooter is up to 73.3% this season. So if that's going to be the Trez that we get, I think everybody signs up for that, and I don't think there's any sort of regret or looking back behind it. Mark Gasol's role will continue to evolve with this team as well, and a lot of it will be dependent upon the opponent. We've seen Marcus Gasol have one really strong game, and then a handful of sort of eh games, right? I'd like to see him more active defensively, right? We like games where he has multiple blocks. He hasn't really been stealing the basketball. I think one of the things the Lakers need to continue to emphasize is running more of the offense through the high post with Mark, because I think that's where those assist numbers can go up, and I think things can just sort of open open themselves up for this Lakers offense. Now, Gasol has taken on the year, okay? We know that Marcus All can shoot the three-point ball now, right? That's that's not a surprise. We've seen that for enough period of time, and you know that's that's sort of where we're at in terms of the Marcus All career arc. But Marcus All's taken 25 shots this season. 25. That's it. Now he's made 13 of them. Okay, but of those 25 shots, 13, more than half, have been from behind the three-point line. Maybe make an effort to get Marcus Gasol down low where he can, you know, sort of get off to a hot start and then extend that hot start out to the three-point line. So I'm going to be curious as the Lakers move forward to see what pieces of the puzzle they emphasize at what times in order to get guys going. Because we know LeBron can sort of pop off at any time and you like to get AD going to a nice hot start, of course, always. But I wouldn't be surprised if the Lakers start to try to call Schroeder's number a little bit earlier to make a play. I wouldn't be surprised if we see a little bit more of Marc Gasol in the high post or even in the low post if he looks for his own offense. Some shots for KCP when he's back or Wes Matthews if he's in the starting lineup. So as the Lakers sort of try to build up their supporting cast here, I think you're going to see that approach being taken into consideration. And look, the Lakers are are not playing for the regular season, okay? The Lakers are playing for the playoffs. So anything that they can do to prepare for the postseason to have their best version of themselves at that time, that's the goal here. And that's why the effort piece is so important. You can't simply turn a switch on in the playoffs and say, okay, now it's time. You have to be able to prepare and prepare well. And it's not like this Lakers team is just returning everybody from last year, okay? The chemistry is is not the same. It's not to say that it's not improved. It's not to say that it's worse. It's just, it's not the same. It's a different group of guys, a different rotation, and a different mix. So it's different. As the Lakers move forward, they'll continue to experiment and figure out what works the best. Overall, if you're looking for reasons to be optimistic about this Lakers team, well, I've given you several. But if you want even another reason to be optimistic about this Lakers team, look, I I sat here before the season started and said, hey, if the Lakers are 10-5 and through the first 15 games, I think that'd be pretty good given all the moving parts. Well, 7-3 and is certainly a good way on to 10-5. and And if the Lakers are going to hit that 10-5 and mark, they'd have to go 3-2 and over the next five games. I think that's certainly attainable, and I think the Lakers will be better than that. So we will see what the rest of the way has to offer here. And as the Lakers move forward, they're, you know, I like this sort of schedule. We'll call it the COVID schedule, for lack of a better way to say it. But I like the sort of schedule of like playing teams twice in a row sometimes and minimizing the travel on road trips. I think it's a good thing, and I think it's something the NBA should consider to integrate as we move forward from all of this. But on the Lakers' immediate radar, okay, you've got six upcoming games. You've got two against the Rockets, one against the Thunder, one against the Pelicans, 
against the Warriors and the Bucks. That is not exactly an easy schedule over the next six games, okay? Now, versus the Rockets, it's an interesting team. The Lakers are the better team, but the Rockets can certainly hang around, and offense is not their problem. So that will certainly be an interesting game. The Thunder are a young team, but they're competitive. The Lakers should win that one in theory, as long as they can control SGA. The Pelicans have a lot of firepower, and you have to think that Brandon Ingram, Lonzo Ball, Josh Hart, all those guys are going to be excited to sort of play their old team. And the Warriors, Steph Curry is showing that he is still Steph Curry. I still am not sure that the Warriors are going to make the playoffs. But again, offense isn't their problem when Steph Curry is on. Big when Steph Curry is on, because otherwise offense is definitely their problem. And then the Bucks are always a tough team. Look, Giannis, Middleton, Drew, they're not, I don't think they're as good as people want to believe they are, but I also think they're better than a lot of people think they are. After that, the Lakers play the Bulls, the Cavs, the Sixers, the Pistons. So it opens up a little bit after that. But this isn't a schedule that's going to give the Lakers a lot of breathing room. And so again, that effort piece is going to be critically important as the Lakers move forward, as they set the tone for not only the game on tap, but also the games ahead, and as they set the tone for each other. This is a team that's committed to winning a title, so you have to move forward. And as we move forward on the Hoopball Lakers podcast, I remind you, Follow us on Twitter at Hoopball Lakers. Follow the whole Hoopball Tweets family at Hoopball Tweets at Hoopball Fantasy. Never miss news on your favorite player. Make sure your fantasy lineups are set. LeBron James remains a first round pick in every and any fantasy format. JC will be back with you guys after the Rockets games and as we continue on on the Hoopball Lakers podcast. I'm Ethan Noroff. You can find me on Twitter at Ethan underscore Noroff. And until next time, we out. This has been a Hoop Ball presentation. Say goodbye to your credit card rewards. Greedy corporate mega stores, led by Walmart and Target, are pushing for a law in Congress to take away your hard-earned cash back and travel points to line their pockets. The Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill would enact harmful credit card routing mandates that would end credit card rewards as we know it. If you love your credit card rewards, tell your lawmakers, hands off my rewards. Tell them to oppose the Durbin Marshall Credit Card Bill. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.